Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 120. I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 2nd of December, 2014. Christmas is but 22 days away, Mr. Rafe Blanford. Oh, please don't say things like that. I've got so much to do before Christmas. I haven't started any shopping and anything like that. Um, so I'm just sort of ahead in the sand that it's even uh, December, never mind uh, getting close to Christmas. So I'll just carry on ostrich-like, but I, I will find time in the schedule to record the All About podcast and have a good chat about Windows. So that'll relax me, put me in the right frame of mind. In case people are wondering, we have actually uh, kind of finished the All About Symbian uh, Insight podcast. So if you're an AAWP listener, and we, there isn't a Rivals or Sister podcast anymore, um, we did say that we, we might one day do a special on that site. But I think that effectively we're all about Windows Phone and uh, WP all the way, Rave. That's, that's absolutely right. I mean, I suspect we may record some reminiscence sometime when uh, Steve and I get together in person, maybe, and sort of uh, sound like old folk talking about in the good <laughs> old days when screens had uh, three inches or, and no more, when there were buttons all over the place and when you got wacky form factors um, as well. But yes, yeah, so, you know, our main weekly thing now is doing a, a Windows Phone podcast. It does mean that we might I think slip into other platforms. We, we've talked about this in the past and saying we're kind of not married to Windows Phone. Both of us regularly use uh, other devices. I know uh, Steve's other phone is an Android device and I use an iPhone as well, as well as having uh, an Android device. In fact, I quite regularly go around with uh, three devices. Partly that's um, personal choice, partly for, for work as well. But uh, yes, we're going to continue to focus mainly on Windows Phone. I know we've got a few things to work through uh, this week and we're going to sort of break from the pattern talk a little bit about rumors in more detail than we usually do as well a little uh, hint of what's coming up <laughs> indeed i uh, just one new device i noticed uh, these are probably being released all, all around the year now in that windows phone 8.1 update one is out and manufacturers have got the free licensing of windows phone so there are all sorts of oems all over the globe releasing stuff by this one caught my eye it was by Lava Mobiles in India today and launching the Iris Win 1. And you can, you can guess what the specification is, right? It's exactly the same as every other uh, low-end budget Windows phone based on exactly the same reference design. It looks competent enough. Um, 480 by 800, that's WVGA display, 4 inches, 1.2 gigahertz Snapdragon. I'm guessing it's Snapdragon 200, although they didn't say. 1 gig of RAM, which is nice to see. They haven't skimped on the RAM. Uh, and the usual... 5 megapixel rear camera and a front camera on all this for about £50 all in at a current exchange rate. Of course, it's being sold in uh, Indian currency. I think that's actually pretty good value. I know the cost of living is uh, is lower over there, but uh, at that sort of price, surely some people are going to buy this sort of thing. Uh, I would have thought so. I mean, if you translate it over into European prices, you might be adding a little bit to that. And certainly, obviously, there's tax and import duties to maybe talk about with this sort of device. But actually, if you compare it to the pricing of the Lumia devices over in India, yes, it's going to be very competitive. And you could, in, in some ways, argue that it's actually better than the 530. I mean, it does have things like a, a front-facing camera, yeah. for example. It is dual SIM. One gig um, around, yeah. You know, the one gig around. You know, there's just enough in there. The, the 535, maybe it's a, a slightly closer race but uh, the design of this looks pretty good as well i mean i've seen several of the lava mobile devices at various trade shows over the years you know there'd be the android variants but you know the build quality's actually been pretty good and there's a reason that lava have established themselves in the indian market you know it, it's a reputation for being reasonable obviously we are talking about low end so this is all relative i mean there's a whole bunch of these kind of 
devices off the reference design and often do end up feeling to my mind quite a lot like the Lumia 710 which was kind of the original cheap Windows phone device and I don't mean that in a bad way it's just sort of very you know plastic it's sort of clipped together backing end materials in the front facing but obviously things have moved on a bit since then so you are getting much better internals uh, one of the things I thought was noticeable about this device is actually it's using uh, actual capacitive keys so you haven't got the on-screen buttons that is something i prefer i mean i've used devices with both and i still prefer having separate keys i mean partly it's just one less thing to sort of have to worry about the you know the command keys being swiped away or disappearing it just it it just feels it and actually it also tends to make the phones feel a bit more balanced in the hand simply because you know you have the screen and then you do tend to have space at the top and the bottom and and usually this is about aerials and it can be other components as well that being fitted into the phone and so even when you don't have the kind of the the actual capacitive keys or hardware keys you you do have a space at the bottom of the phone and so for my mind, obviously, there is some expense involved in having that. It, it makes sense. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I've actually now seen a couple of these cheap phones in person. Um, the pricing does exactly what you'd expect. And they do feel pretty cheap. And it's like a lot of the Android devices that you know you get literally tens, if not hundreds of them in any given market around this price point. And Windows Phone is starting to head that 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 way i mean it feels like we've probably seen about 20 of these from various different manufacturers now i think most of them will sell in very small numbers but a couple of them may well catch on and there is some thought that uh, windows phone will do very well in that low end space kind of as we've seen with the 520 and potentially you know in the year ahead and particularly maybe the year after that the enterprise uh, part of windows phone will do well i've seen several predictions from analysts of say suggesting that windows phone is actually going to become the, the sort of the second choice phone platform for enterprise users and saying that android perhaps isn't as established as it might be in that space so i think you can take all of that with a pinch of salt but nonetheless having lots of cheap devices is going to help with the sales of windows phone devices of the ones i've seen the ones that kind of stood out for me was the yes billy and it was actually the higher end version uh, i think that was with the five inch screen and it was very very thin and so if you're looking for something that's really thin it might be a device that's worth looking out for it's worth saying that that's actually the snapdragon 400 so it's more of a mid-tier device and so they've been able to do a bit more with it and you know, kind of push the design a little more the components are, are slightly better and then the cheaper devices of which there's a one from yes there's one from prestigio i saw as well as the arcos uh, devices they do all feel a little bit a bit plasticky uh, to my mind it's it, it's pushing it too far um and obviously they're competing against things like the lumia 530 the 535 and uh, and i think what's interesting about those devices they you know are often even lower end in terms of the component the specification because they miss out a front camera or have reduced ram or something like that but they still feel pretty solid in the hand some of these other devices start to it, the quality the build quality starts to go a bit i don't want to tar them all with the same brush because that's unfair and I've, as i say only seen about three or four of the different manufacturers and i know there's now oh, i would say 15 or 20 of them out there um it's going to be really interesting to see what impact this has on sales we haven't really seen any figures around this yet and there hasn't sort of been any gaps that you can say okay so microsoft has produced that many lumia devices but we know that many windows phone devices have sold any differences thus far have kind of been attributed to the htc or the samsung devices but if that gap starts to grow up to a few million you might be able to go you know particularly as we go into the sort of next quarter you know okay that's because microsoft's you know, strategy of pushing this reference design is really starting to work and 
It's just a few comments I've seen on a couple of developer lists. And if you look at some of the uh, data that's coming out of Duplex, just enough to suggest these devices are starting to sell in numbers to make a dent on the market. Honestly, we'll, we'll have to wait and see for a, a bit longer. And it may even be the second generation of the devices that takes a you know, take off. And there is this whole question about you know, how big is the Windows phone market. And as we've often said, Steve, you know, I'd still recommend people buy a Lumia device before they look at these super low end devices from elsewhere. But if they do manage to undercut Lumia, okay, there, there are some people who go just want the cheapest one i can get and uh, this one particularly from lava does seem quite interesting yeah yeah and talking of the yes billy which you were there i i did a link into the next story i did a a companion feature and last week i did the the best of windows phone and looking at the the flagships the really the, the price no object which is the best windows phone you can get looking at every aspect of it and we discussed that in last week's podcast i wanted to do a companion piece down at the bottom end of the market and in What's the, the best you can get under a certain price? Now, obviously, where you draw the line is rather critical here, Rove. But uh, I thought, well, if I say £100 is too severe, because then you really are just looking at the cheapest of the cheap, um, £200 is too generous, because then you're starting to get into the, for well, example, last year's flagships might be down at that price. And I wanted to stay away from you know, the Lumia 830s of this world. I chose 150, and then I was rather surprised. 150 pounds—that that's um, all in in the UK, uh, either pay-as-you-go or SIM-free. And I, I actually found you can get the Lumia 735 under 150 pounds on pay-as-you-go, wow. which I found was rather rather incredible, really, because I gave that a very good write-up, and in many ways it was a, a sister device to the 830, not quite as capable, but certainly in the same league. And here it was uh, under my price. Or rather arbitrary price limit. So in the feature, I looked at six phones, Lumia 520, which is admittedly last year's, but it's still being actively sold, believe it or not. Um, the Lumia 630 and 635, which I kind of lumped together. One's a dual SIM, one's single SIM, I think. Um, the Lumia 530, the 735, as I say, the Yes Billy 4.7. I didn't see the 5-inch uh, for sale, but I found the 4.7, admittedly, um, probably imported into the UK. And finally, the Lumia 535, which is me cheating because it's not actually available yet. But it was so it's so close to being available, and it so perfectly fits the, the concept of a budget flagship, if that's a, a phrase, a, a budget, budget champion Windows Phone device. So I had to put the 535 in the table as well, just for comparison. And not surprisingly, if you look, bring the table up yourself, Rafe, and listeners can also bring the feature up, the 735 kind of walks off with it. It's, it's by far the highest specification, um, even though it's a Snapdragon 400. Um, the fact that it's got one gig of RAM for a start is a big step forward. It's got the much, much better camera, and it's got a much, much better um, front-facing camera, and the 1080p video recording, and a higher-capacity battery, which you can remove, even though you didn't believe it at the trade show when you first saw it. And it's got the Qi charging, and it's um, up to tri-band 4G. It's in a 4.7-inch bigger AMOLED screen, clear black display. Am I selling it to anyone? And all of this, I should have shares in the various networks, all of this for £149 on pairs you go in the UK, which, given that you can uh, get some of these other budget phones, £79, £89, £99, for an extra 50%, an extra £50, which may, may be a lot to some people. It's not, not a lot to most people, I'd thought, in this market. Pay the extra 50 and get a phone which is two or three times better than the other items on the table. Having said that, uh, before you leap in, Rave, just say that if, if okay, if you can't reach to £150, maybe you're on a budget, maybe you're buying Windows phones for three or teenagers or whatever, um, then I said the 635 and the 630, which I've got here and I, I, I absolutely love, is fabulous value for money, really. I found it at £79, pairs you go in the UK, 
and for that, okay, it's half the price of the 735, but arguably gives you 60, 70% of the features, and it has got uh, the full 8 gigabytes of internal memory. It's got a pretty good 5 megapixel camera. It's got the removable battery, which is at a fair capacity as well. 1830 milliamp hours uh, drives this Lumia 630 for quite a long time. Snapdragon 400, as you, say, as you said, very solid in the hand and nothing to give, 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 give light to the fact that it's quite a cheap phone. And it's got this kind of clear black display light, as I call it. With, it's not the circular polarizers, but it does have a polarizing layer, which means that compared to all the other cheap phones you see out there, most of the phones under £100, this one you can actually read the display out in sunlight. So overall, my, my winner has to be the 735, but if you can't afford that, then the 630 and 635, which I guess makes, uh, doesn't surprise you at all, Rafe. No, it, it doesn't really. I mean, the thing we probably say about the 735 pricing is that is specific to the UK, and I'm aware that in a lot of markets it will be a bit more expensive than this. It's it's interesting that 735 is along actually with the 630, which again the pricing is specific to the UK, has been really really pushed by the networks here in the UK. You see it on pretty much all of the operators, and it's being featured in TV advertising, online advertising and within the kind of the network promotional material itself as well. And so it's probably worth a caveat that not everyone will be able to get it for that £150 price point. I think it'll actually probably even go lower than that in time. Obviously, it's dipped from its kind of launch pricing. Uh, but it's interesting that you talk about it being two or three times better. And I think that's what's interesting about this low end of the market. There's actually substantial price differences. You know, we're, we're starting with something like the 530 or 520 and then going up three times as much. Obviously, that's a big difference. But at this point, you do feel that you are getting that extra value every time you go up. You know, you're getting a better screen or a better camera or whatever it happens to be. And it you know, depends on the exact model or the comparison we're talking about. Uh, when you then think about going up again, I think the 830, you possibly do get a, a, another increase. After that, you if, and even with the 735 to the 830, you feel like it's sort of diminishing returns. You know, you get to the point where you're paying more money, but you're not getting that much extra benefit. Yeah. Now, for the, the, the phone geek, of course, you want the high-end device. You want the best thing possible. Um, although, as we talked about, the 930, 830 is an interesting case. But for a lot of people, something like the 735, just as the 830 is a, you know, a good thing in that kind of upper mid-tier, the lower mid-tier, the 735 feels really competitively priced. And I said right back when uh, Microsoft announced these devices that I felt that they did for the mid-tier what they, the 520 and to a certain extent the 530 had done for the low end. Some really outstanding value devices and they're, it feels like they're quite mainstream as well. So I really like the 730, 735 uh, as, as a device. I've actually used one uh, briefly. I want to try and use one as my, my main device for a while, having sort of been using the 830 for the past sort of uh, 10 days or so. It'd be interesting to see what I make of it. And because actually the camera on it's still pretty good and it's very light. It feels um, you know relatively premium. As Steve gently reminded me, I was a bit wrong about the battery when I first saw it. Um, <laughs> the 630... Uh, is a bit of a chunky phone. It's quite heavy, but it is very solidly built. So you can sort of understand where the, the price cuts to get there may be being made. And of course, you, you mentioned the 535 briefly. That's, you know, as, as always for the most recently announced budget device, it kind of pushes the definition of what the value means at that price point. And it feels like, you know, the 80 pounds that it's going to come in at and probably go down again over time. That feels really very competitive as well. It sort of fixes a lot of the problems with the 520 and sort of the 530. It's interesting that you put the yes billy into that table. Um, 
that is the mid-tier device that, you know, because it's got a slightly different design to the Lumia's, um, but does, you know, it's still relatively mid-tier. It, it's one that's sort of worth looking at because if you're into sort of a really stylish phone, you could argue that, that, that it's there. I mean, the big thing about it is it's much thinner than most of the Lumia devices and it, it just has a different design language as well. So it may be something you prefer. Uh, you could have probably thrown in one of the, uh, sort of, uh, I guess we should call them third tier brands as we were talking about with the Lava Mobile, you know, there's, there's plenty of them. It, it is still hard for me to recommend those over anything else, but I suspect the sort of people buying those devices aren't necessarily going to be going, Ooh, let's do a table of the low end devices and pick out which one is best from a, a, a spreadsheet. It's going to be what's offered on their network and what's readily available. And actually they're all pretty good value and they all run windows phone in the same way. And that's kind of the big thing for windows phone. You get, 75 80 depends what you're going to pick out of the experience and there is a contrast to that with android as well as also they do seem to last quite well if you use them intensively uh, they don't tend to bog down over time it, whatever windows phone is doing on the back end to manage memory or data it seems to be doing it more effectively than the low-end android devices which are kind of notorious for you use them for three or four months and they start to clog up and you know, experts will know how to sort of sort that out either by resetting or whatever bit of maintenance you decide to do but of course most people with those phones really won't know how to do that and will yeah. just get frustrated and there's the whole apps on memory card and all that kind of thing i don't want to get into that in detail but yes absolutely no no surprise that the 735 as the most expensive device comes out on top <laughs> if i was judging overall value i think i'd probably still give the nod to the 630 635 because it does have that pretty decent screen admittedly it's not 720p and it's still it, it's it's a hard one though because as you say you only pay a little bit extra and it feels like you get a lot of value but i, I think it's only fair to say that while you know the difference between 80 and 150 may may not sound like very much that basically means you can get two Lumia 630s for the price of a Lumia 735. And if you're buying for the family or, or buying for someone who's maybe not really into smartphones, that, that's a, <laughs> that's a, a sizable yeah. difference. And of course, we can say the same thing about more expensive devices. Whereas I, I, I would feel that most people can probably justify, um, you know, particularly in the UK market, it's going to be different which market you look at, probably can justify the extra 20 quid or so that they're going to have to do to get from the, the 530 to the 630. It, it it feels like there's the most value in that upgrade. Going from the 630, 735, you know, not quite a doubling of price. It, it, it's not quite that same factor of difference. Um, and yeah. you take all that into account. I, I would probably at this point give the nod to the, uh, the 630 in particular, because it's the 3G version, which you can generally find a bit cheaper. And the, the, the 4G version, you know, it's as available pay as you go on a lot of network in the UK. Um, yeah, that's a great device as well. You will end up typically paying a 20 or 30 pound premium to get 4G. And for many people, that's not necessarily going to be something they need to do. It depends how dependent you are on having that really fast data. Um, I think for a lot of people, 3G will be perfectly sufficient for whatever they want to do, especially if you've then got Wi-Fi in the home where, you know, after all, a lot of mobile phone use does actually happen as well. So yeah, really interesting tape. And I was kind of curious to see how far out ahead the, the, the 735 came and, you know, obviously the 630 coming second. What was interesting also was to see the 535 actually doing very well indeed. It, it does sort of hint that that might be a bit of a star next year, Steve. 
Absolutely. I'd even coin, take take a leaf out of Microsoft's book, and we're going to have the budget flagship and the mid-range flagship. (laughs) Budget flagship with the 535 and the mid-range flagship with the 735, and the affordable flagship is the 830, which is getting silly, really. I'm also massacring the English language. I just wanted to point out one technical kind of geeky thing. The Yes Billy, although I haven't actually... I'd tried it hands-on. The reviews I have read from across the world have said that it's rather laggy. And I wonder, if you look at the def- the specs, Rafe, the Yesbilly 4.7, Snapdragon 200, 720p screen. Now look a- across mm. the table at the Lumia 535, which is imminent from, from Microsoft stroke X Nokia. Um, very similar screen, um, except that it's 540p. So that's um, QHD, that's lowercase QHD, um, 960 by 540. So a lower resolution by 20, 30%. Exactly the same processor, same amount of RAM. <laughs> so clearly, um, the years Billy pe- people thought, well, well, we'll stick in a higher resolution screen, but didn't really test it to the ultimate to, to and to the point where it was tuned for the, for the processor. Whereas I think Microsoft, stroke again, X Nokia, I thought, well, We've tried 720p and it's laggy. We'll try 540p, which should be easily good enough for the man in the street and won't have that lag. It'll be a much smoother experience. So I think uh, that the 540p will actually be a good match for that lowly Snapdragon 200 processor. Yeah, I think you're right there because obviously when you're pushing more pixels around the screen, that's going to be more intensive on the the processor and the graphics co-processor. So it it does make you wonder about that. When I was using the ESB, I didn't notice any particular lag but i have to admit i was limited to about five minutes with it so i i think the reviews are probably spot on it doesn't surprise me in the slightest i mean the the snapdragon 200 after all is really the equivalent of going quite a few years back in terms of you know phone specification you know, what one helpful way sometimes to talk about phone specification is to see what year it falls into in terms of when it when would it have been a top of the range handset and you look at something like Snapdragon 400, and really that's from the era of the the 920, and really even further back than that because the 920 got the Snapdragon S4, you know, quite late on. So that just gives you a suggestion that this is actually a phone that's probably the equivalent of five, maybe even uh, six years old. And obviously we're now up to the Snapdragon 800, and indeed going beyond that in 2015, we'll see a whole new class or year of devices come out. Um, and of course, back then the, the standard screen size, you know, low resolution, no one thought about it being, uh, anything of it being 480p and 540p. And actually 720p was kind of the, the higher end devices. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it probably is a mismatch. And it's one of the problems that you get with these uh, you know, uh, reference design programs is that they can combine components together in a way that doesn't always get fully tested or necessarily make sense. I mean, it's not that it doesn't work. But obviously, the product planners from someone like Microsoft and any of the other big manufacturers will spend a lot of time thinking very carefully about what is the optimum solution. And it's not just about you know combining the hardware to get a decent result out. It's you know what will people pay for? What is the best kind of combination of value and product? And then especially when you're doing a range of devices. And it's something that I think Nokia was particularly successful at in the past. They kind of got criticized for their big range of devices, but you know, it was after all what sort of put them as the leading smartphone uh, manufacturer for many years. And, you know, there was a bit of a misstep in the early days of Windows Phone where you know it didn't get low enough and then there were sometimes some fairly peculiar gaps in the middle. The device that kind of sticks in my mind was the 820. Perhaps a bit unfair because I rather liked it as a device, but it kind of got totally put in the shadow by uh, the 920. And so there's something similar happened 
with something like the 720, which is one of my favourite uh, Windows phone devices, but never really sold in the numbers it deserved to. And that typically happens when there's kind of a slight mismatch or misplacement in the portfolio. One of the things that uh, Microsoft does seem to have done now is if you look going from the 530, the 630, the 730, the 830, the 930, they all kind of make sense and all fit in quite well. Um, the one kind of bit that's a bit dodgy maybe it's the 830 930 but that's more from a technical point of view i mean the 930 is still the superior device when you look at uh, the camera and everything like that and of course we then got something like the 1520 which really is just uh, i would say a variation on the 930 in terms of uh, screen size and actually doesn't get some of the things wrong that the 930 does but that's, <laughs> that's another topic yeah. um, but yeah it's it, that that whole planning of products is a more complex process than people may realise. You know, it's not just a question of throwing a bunch of components together and see what works. You then do do need to test about and kind of do your homework on what is going to work best with other components. And, you know, in, in this instance, I would say you're better off having the lower resolution screen if that means that the device isn't going to be laggy because you're going to notice that lag a lot more than you're going to notice the uh, slightly lower resolution screen. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on, though, before people start to complain that we're waffling waffling on. Yes. Um, no, so Be In My Bonnet for a while has been freemium games, and I, I've, tried, I've tried to be gentle with them. I've tried to be kind, and there have been lots of games that actually have got freemium right, and I, I think been quite impressed, whereby you, you, you play the game for an hour or two and you, you reach a limit, and it says, okay, would you like to purchase you know, the, the power-ups, the boosters, or whatever, and you tap on the buy screen, and the choice of 79p or £1.49 or £3.50 for everything you might ever need to finish the game. I think, well, that's fair enough. I'll be playing this for 10 hours, 20 hours, £3.50 is not bad value. And then you get other games. Um, the Tribes, I reviewed this a couple of days ago, it's a, an all-singing, all-dancing, glossy sort of civilization thing where you guide um, tribesmen and build their huts and you build their crops and you de- defeat the warriors that come to attack them. And there's a lot happening. There's been a lot of production value uh, into this, uh, a massive amount of money. And I, th- I believe it's cross-platform as well. But then you, you quickly, quickly becomes apparent you do need to spend some of the money on these in-app purchases. And they started about £1.50. And they go up to £90. I repeat, £90. So you could tap your finger on the screen in the Tribes game, and perhaps you you meant to hit £3.49, and your finger just misses it by a couple of pixels, and you end up spending £90 on an in-app purchase. That is insane. Who on earth in the real world with a sane mind is ever going to spend £90 on a mobile phone game? Surely, surely there needs to be an official cap by Microsoft say, look, if you want to game in our store, you can have in-app purchases, you can have as many as you want, you, but the cap is £10. You can ask, ask people to pay that as many times as they want. If you want them to do that nine times because they run out of diamonds or coins too quickly, that's fair enough. But there needs to be a cap to stop crazy people and people <laughs> misplacing their finger taps, just spending insane amounts of money. It just makes makes me see red, Rafe, and you can probably tell in my voice. <laughs> I, I can. I would say, to be fair, it's not quite one tap to buy. You do actually have to go through a couple of subsequent screens to actually do the purchase. So I think think the chance of doing it completely <laughs> mistakenly, um, I think, well, you could perhaps say that if someone's had their one too many, they might go through it. I, I think yeah. the, the bigger danger, as has been discussed plenty in the in the past, is that children might go, oh, I'll just have a few extra lives or diamonds or whatever, and not really realise the value of money. You know, that's 
always a danger. Um, I would say to people who are sort of in that situation, make sure that you sort of are protecting your Microsoft account. And obviously there are ways of doing it. We've talked about those in the past. Um, part of me goes, I absolutely want to agree with you because the thought of spending £90 on a, on a mobile in-app purchase of course i'm never going to do that for any game you know when you can go and buy a full console title for you know, at the most 60 quid and often you'll be paying a lot less than that you know why are you going to do this on in-game currency and to be fair most of the um abusers of this are we are talking about in-game currency when you're kind of skipping levels or buying extra lives to have another go uh it's frightening how quickly those can go down if you do get into a game it can be quite addictive so i, I do know people who have gone through tens of pounds in in-app purchases in a very short period of time uh, and they're thinking sometimes is oh i'd rather have the big in-app purchase because that kind of gives me better value for money because typically what the developers will do is you know reduce the cost per unit down the more money you're willing sure. to spend on an in-app purchase but I, I do agree for this kind of in-app purchase, I would like to see uh, a limit. But I wouldn't like to see a limit placed on in-app purchases altogether because I think there is a business model around other types of in-app purchases where you might end up charging £90. You can think of premium services or even subscription services content where uh, I grant you it may be unusual to pay that much money. But uh, it, talking about something like a newspaper or a magazine subscription, that could quite easily be you know, 30, 40 pounds if you buy the annual version rather than going for the monthly or, or the weekly version. And so I wouldn't want to have an artificial limit on what in-app purchases, you know, the maximum that they can be. Um, but perhaps some guidance for developers about not putting these in, you know, for this kind of in-currency thing. I guess there's no easy way to police that. Well, you could just say for games. For games, there is a limit, and for other applica application types, there isn't. That's, uh... there, there we go, something like that. I mean, I'm always reluctant to put uh, restrictions on kind of developer and app store policy just for the reason that you quite often can't think of, just because it means you can't think of one. It doesn't mean there's not a reason for some time in the future. Uh, and part of me goes, well, this is just about being responsible. You know, it is no different to something like, let's say gambling. You know, a lot of people will have... Uh, views on that but like any of those things you do it in moderation and you know you don't be stupid about it and the same would apply to in-app purchases i guess the danger here is that it's so easy to have that instant satisfaction and sort of spend money that you may uh, later regret so it, it, it's a tricky one i'm but i think i'm going to have to come down on disagreeing with uh, steve in the technical <laughs> detail but absolutely agreeing with you in the kind of the principle of it and not having games in particular have these ridiculous levels of in-app purchases uh, and you know I'm sympathetic to the view that actually we should do something about it because although you might say, oh, people should have self-control and not spend it, you know, accidents do happen. Uh, and frankly, no one's perfect. You know, impulse control, you know, it's a, a tactic that's exploited by marketing people and uh, salespeople all the time looking to sell things. And uh, they wouldn't be there if um, the, the people who created them didn't think there was a chance that someone somewhere along the lines would sign them sign up for them and after yeah. all one person buying a 90 pound in-app purchase will be the equivalent to 30 people buying a uh, you yeah. know a, a three pound in-app purchase and so even if there's only a one in 30 one in 100 chance you know it, it's revenue and it's going to make sense for you to do so yeah it's because it makes absolutely no sense for anyone in a, with a sane mind to have these things in there what i think's happening rafe is that 
they're relying on people's muscle memory. How often have you um, started to install an application and up comes a screen saying, do you agree to this app getting access to your location or your contacts, whatever? And you just, you autom- automatically hit yes, yes, yes. And half the time I think, hang on a minute, what was it that just, what, this, what, what did this game just ask permission to access? I don't agree to that. But your muscle memory is already clicking through for you. And you want to do an in-app purchase and you try to go for the 350 one and you miss it because you're on a bus or a train, you're wobbling around and you hit the 90 pound one. And the muscle memory does the rest. You enter your PIN code and then you think, hang on a minute. And then you look frantically for ways to reverse it. So I just think that it'd be much easier for everyone if that 90 pound thing wasn't in there in the first place. <laughs> Uh, I think muscle memory going through app screens might be a bit of a, a, a phone geek thing. And it's probably worth pointing out, in theory at least, you should be able to contact Microsoft Store support and uh, reverse these things. Whether that would actually work in practice, I wouldn't like to say, because of course there's plenty of reports in the media where people have tried to do something like that on competing app stores and haven't had uh, much success. So yeah, I think that one's um, open to do. De- to debate i mean in theory i would imagine if you're buying it on a, a credit card you should be able to have the uh transaction cancel it, it gets complicated we're not kind of offering consumer advice here where you can <laughs> advise or anything like that um like i say i mean in, in i absolutely agree with you in the kind of the, the principle of it i'm just always wary of placing restrictions on, on these kind of things because there's absolutely no yeah. doubt in my mind that in-app purchases is going to be the way that most uh, mobile apps and mobile games build their business models in the future. And, uh, you know, the subscription stuff, which potentially could have these relatively high value in-app purchases, is something I think we might well see more of in the future. And uh, I'm not suggesting that we're going to have every kind of commerce going through an app going through the app store, but certainly in some cases it, it might make sense for certain products and particularly the digital ones or subscriptions to, to be bought in that way. Um, this, of course, may all change if uh, Microsoft you know, does something like Apple Pay and gets a, a proper wallet solution in place that works for lots of people in lots of situations, not just the m-commerce side of it, but the kind of the mobile point of selling, the idea of using your phone a bit like you might use a contactless uh, debit or credit card. And so it's, uh, there's a whole a whole another raft of that, I guess. But uh, if it's going to keep you happy, Steve, I could say I absolutely agree with you in principle. <laughs> Final item on this podcast. Uh, now, we're recording this on the Tuesday evening, but scheduled to go live first thing uh, Wednesday morning. Is my take on this, um, the, the photographs on Baidu, the Chinese equivalent of Facebook, by someone who's got hold of what looks like uh, a Nokia prototype or uh, ex-Nokia prototype. It's also got Microsoft mobile, mobile uh, logos all over it as well. And it looks to be a replacement for the 1020 and that it's got the big pure view like uh, c- camera focused uh, back. The camera's obviously not that big, but as with the 1020, the idea is to give the impression to anybody looking at this is a phone that's serious about imaging. Um, and the claims are in, in the in, in the text that it's a 1080p screen. It's got a, the, the claim is actually it's got a 50 megapixel camera, which is bigger than the 1020s. And yet it's only got dual LED flash. And I've been trying to piece it all together, Rafe. And just to summarize the article for people who haven't read it yet, I think this is actually a prototype from a couple of months ago, and we're recording this now in December 2014. I think this is a prototype from a couple of months ago. It may or may not be the fabled McLaren device that was uh, rumoured. It's obviously some kind of success of the 1020, and the bit I was really interested in is not whether this will actually make it to market, because it's obviously a a prototype. It's obviously relatively old, and the the version of Windows Phone it's running is older than I'm running on my current devices here. and Mobile World Congress is still two or three months away. Um, 
So the chances of this actually making it to market in this form are relatively low, I would say, but maybe you can disagree in a moment. But the thing that interested me was the fact that at, for a start, you can see right into the camera, which means that it's an electronic shutter and not a mechanical shutter, the size on the 1020. And the fact, of course, the dual LED flash again ties into the fact it's got an electronic shutter and not mechanical. And all of this is relevant because we've been talking in many recent podcasts, Rafe, about computational photography and taking um, burst mode um, photos. You take five or six or ten photos very quickly, and then you do interesting things with them, whether they're combining the, the high dynamic range or flash, stroke, no flash, or whether you're doing special effects and, and have a, a smart sequence does at the moment. All sorts of interesting things you can do. Um, and with the mechanical shutter and xenon flash and the 1020 much as i love them <laughs> much as i love the quality and the way you can freeze action in actual fact with a fast enough processor and i was postulating this in the article you could get a situation whereby a device like this you know by with a much faster processor than the 1020 say a snapdragon 801 would be a, my, my guess you could actually take a burst of four or five shots all within one second even less than that maybe each of the shots being taken with a shutter speed of around about a 50th second so you're going to kind of freeze most motion if you you've got this um these led flashes especially the dual leds are getting very bright now so they're they're approaching the brightness of xenon and if you can take those four or five shots of your person laughing and smiling with their beer glass or at a party whatever of those five shots the chance of one of them will actually be pretty crisp even though that the other four might be slightly blurry because they're moving so rather than have a xenon um lit shot which is the one i sort of evangelize where you 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 line it up you focus on your friend who's cavorting like crazy at the party you snap it and xenon freezes them like a lunatic and it may be a brilliant shot or it may be complete rubbish the idea is uh, as with the iphone and the top android devices you take a, a the camera actually takes four or five shots very quickly and then you scroll through them saying, oh, that one's really good. And those four are rubbish. I'll delete those and I'll keep that one. So I think the, the, just the presence in this prototype of having the electronic shutter where you can see into the lens all the time, and that's the telltale sign, and the dual LED flash means that whether or not this prototype actually ends up coming to market, I think it shows the, clearly the way forward is in this direction. And I'm even prepared to be persuaded, Ralph, that Xenon is not the be-all and end-all. This, this approach might actually work. If the process is fast enough, and if it can bang the shots off fast enough, then just as you found with the original HGC1 for, on Android, um, with the, the, the Zoe mode, where it takes, you know, it, that was even taking a burst mode photos before the shutter was pressed. So there's all sorts of interesting things you can do. And you can get some very, very good shots that absolutely do not miss the moment. So I was quite excited to see this prototype, even if it doesn't actually one day make it to market. I do apologise for that unexpected uh, noise in the background. That was me falling off my chair. It <laughs> said something about uh, Xenon Flash. But uh, yeah, I think you, you, you've got it spot on. It's really interesting to see that this is maybe a glimpse into the way it, 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 the imaging teams are thinking. You can't obviously guarantee this, this is a prototype, and I do agree with you, Steve. It looks like it's been around for a while. You know, There's been rumours around a successor to the, the 1020 for a while. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they maybe pushed it back for some reason, waited for an update on on the hardware. You know, we could talk about this and next generation Snapdragon processors, the 801 and and beyond. And maybe that's what's required to get that imaging performance into the sort of areas we're talking about with this computational uh, photography. But I, I, I do agree we may well have seen the last of the kind of the Xenon flash and it honestly it it makes sense and it it sort of gets to the point where the use cases for that xenon flash really start to to 
to get minimal. I mean, it always used to be that it was actually quite useful as a, a fiddle in flash, even in bright conditions. But as this ability to take a, you know, a bunch of a, a sequence of photos and then combine them together, that sort of thing goes away. There's the pub case that Steve was talking about there. And of course, the other thing about Xenon Flash in that freeze moment is it does create a certain amount of artificialness in the light. It's, you don't get that same kind of natural effect or natural light. And it, it, it's going to be t- depend on your preference, clearly. Uh, but it, it's, a, it's about the number of use cases that each meets. And uh, it, it's been clear for quite a while now that Xenon Flash is, is great, but it doesn't work in, in some cases, which is why you know, we saw devices which had both a Xenon Flash and an LED flash in it to try and have a, a best of both worlds. And that, that compromise, um, not only does it make the whole imaging step more complex because you've got you know two potential situations for, with a, a flash going off, obviously it's more expensive to build as well. But uh, you know the thing that caught my eye about this, and I agree with what you said, Steve. I don't really think I've got anything to to add to that. Is that it was this kind of return of the very iconic large camera area on the 1020, which is something that I think has been a real halo effect for Windows Phone. The 1020 may not have sold in great numbers, but a lot of people recognise that yellow device with the big camera, partly because there was a really big marketing campaign around it, and partly because it was very different to anything else that was on the market. And looking at it, you know. We're getting something similar. It's quite obvious there is a somewhat of a, a hump on this device, which does suggest, you know, that it is a, a true, you know, very high megapixel yeah. count camera. And so it, that's quite exciting in itself that it suggests that there have been developments of that camera module ongoing. And I, I find it difficult to believe that that would get chucked away altogether. So while we may not see it in this exact device, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see it turn up. And I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see that same design language used simply because that's become associated with that very high-end camera phone so you know it, it is kind of exciting to see something like this um i think you're right to caveat it with a little bit of caution simply because yes it's running an older version it could be that that was because it was in early development um it's interesting that it looks like it was using uh on on screen uh command keys i suspect this might be sort of a, a test device of which there may not be very many that was used to maybe be testing this new module and we may see it's like different i mean what people might not realize is quite a lot of the time there's actually multiple prototypes that will go through and it's even possible to have a a testing device made altogether i don't actually think this is a a test device as such because obviously there is a a finished construction to it if people remember nokia did create a a test device for microsoft for windows phone 8 and it was quite a blocky fairly unattractive object it showed up in a couple of the demos but this is obviously a bit more of a finished device and there is a, a design to it that is kind of kind of consumer finish but all the various bits on it and some of the mismatch on the, the materials well quite possibly that kind of double dip approach as htc have kind of popularized in the past could be something they're looking to do or it could be just something they, they've got for testing um actually looks like kind of an attractive device i, I, I can hanker after kind of a silver metal finish instantly what it looks like um so yes whether we see this or whether it's something slightly different by the time it comes out it's pretty exciting um when will we sit don't know it, it seems not unlikely that there would be some kind of big flagship device around the launch of windows 10 we could possibly even see something announced in barcelona mwc which would then be upgradable if i had to put money on it i would say we'll probably see the imaging flagship on the current hardware technology 
just because of the development time it takes place, you know, especially when you're doing that extra imaging component, and then would see another flagship using the next generation of the hardware family, you know, possibly timing in with uh, the Windows 10 launch, which is sort of talked about as being April. So uh, it may be that the sort of uh, first four or five months of next year are a good time for those looking for kind of high-end Windows phone devices. I have to wait to kind of speculating there, but yeah, exciting. And I'm pretty sure that Steve is going to be one of the first in the queue to get his hands on the 1030 or whatever it may end up being called. Absolutely. I did have a final item lined up on the same line as Rafe, but I want to um, tease it and then cover it next week because it needs to go into more detail. And it's along the lines of where the heck is Lumia Denim and where the heck is Lumia (laughs) Camera 5? And what I suspect is that the two are linked at the hip and that's why neither of them have appeared and they'll both appear at the same time. But um, before, don't don't reply, please. (laughs) Think about your answer. Let's come back to that. And of course, if in the meantime, before next week's podcast, it all actually gets released, then we'll have something else to talk about. But either way, we plan to talk about Lumia Camera 5 and Lumia Denim on various devices, 830, 930, 15, 20, even the 1020 next week on the podcast. But for now, I'll say goodbye from me. And I'll say goodbye as well. And just remind Steve that uh, trying to get Microsoft to release Lumia Denim by promising to talk about it in the next week podcast probably doesn't work. I think the release cycles take place on slightly <laughs> different priorities. But uh, we will talk about it, whether it's uh, arrived or, or not. Um, and certainly, I suspect we'll go into more detail once it is here, and particularly uh, Lumia Camera 5, which is starting to be teased, which always uh, is a good sign, suggesting it's probably uh, just uh, a matter of days or maybe a few weeks away, and certainly before the end of the year. For some lucky people, uh, for some lucky other people, it will be the other way around. It always is with the uh, software updates, and I know there are some people still waiting to get Cyan uh, on certain devices, for which you you have my sympathy, um, and uh, we'll feel sorry you the next week, and then you can tune in again and listen to the All About Windows Phone podcast, but uh, until then, it's goodbye from me, and thanks as ever for listening. And there was me saying, don't bother to reply now, reply next week. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> Cheers, all. Bye. <laughs>